Bible and turn uh, to the book of James chapter number four. James chapter number four. Just hold your place there and don't get discouraged because we've got a little, little, uh, a couple of places we're going to do before we get uh, to the book of James. But I want you just to hold your place there in the book of James chapter number four. And uh, once you found that, um, let me just say this to you. Um, we, we have got some things going on in our country, obviously, that, that we need to pray much about, be engaged with respect to. But one of those things is this. Not everybody in the United States of America appreciates what was on the video tonight about 9-11. Uh, there are people that literally want to see the demise of the United States of America. Say, Brother Dave, do you really believe that I do? In fact, I've met some of them. And uh, they are intent on seeing the, the land of the free, the home of the brave, this land that has been uniquely blessed by God, uh, they're intent on seeing it brought to destruction. And Ronald Reagan said it many, many years ago, 40th president of the United States. He said, if freedom dies here, it dies around the globe because there is no place else for liberty and freedom to go. It's here, and if it dies here, it's over. And I agree with that. I completely concur with what uh, he said, and there's a reason why he said it that I won't go into. But because of, of where we are, I want to recommend two books to you tonight. A pastor years ago, a man told me this, leaders must be readers. Leaders must be readers. And I believe that more than ever. I was not always an avid uh, lover of reading, but I've become a, an absolutely voracious leader. And so leaders must be readers. That is the case whether you're a pastor in leading as a pastor, or if you're a Sunday school teacher, or if you're a deacon, or if you're some type of ministry leader, music leader, whatever. I just believe if you're a leader in your home, you're going to have to read. We need to read. We need to understand what's going on. And there's two great books I want to recommend to you. One of them is called Letter to the American Church. Letter to the American Church. I'd encourage you to write that down. It is a thin book. You could probably read it in one sitting if you read rather quickly. But it's called Letter to the, the American Church by Eric Metaxas. And Metaxas is spelled M-E-T-A-X-A-S. M-E-T-A-X-A-S, Eric Metaxas. Anybody familiar with Eric Metaxas? Wonderful, wonderful gentleman. Uh, uh, he's a graduate of uh, Harvard Law School, uh, but he had a mother who grew up in Nazi Germany, and basically the entire book is trying to draw the parallels between what happened under Hitler's Nazi regime and the lead up to Hitler's takeover of the country and making the parallel that the same things are happening in the United States of America right now. You say, Brother Dave, I don't think so. Folk, I don't think so. I know so. Okay, I just know too much and see too much. And because of our ministry on Capitol Hill, we have a chance to rub elbows with and have a front, front row seat to a lot of what's going on, both good and bad in America. And I believe every church member, every freedom-loving American, but especially every believer in Jesus Christ that values what God has given you, especially if you're a member here at Calvary or a regular attender here at Calvary, God's giving you something special. Do you know there's people who want to take this away from you? They really, really do. So Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. It is one of the books that absolutely changed my life. The other book I want to recommend to you was one that Ronald Reagan wanted to get in uh, every public high school history class as a secondary text for uh, history classes in America. He was never able to get that done, but the book was written in 1981. Reagan read it. It was absolutely transformative to him, and the title of the book is The 5,000-Year Leap. The 5,000-Year Leap. Anybody ever read the book, The 5,000-Year Leap? Wow, you ought to go get it, and uh, there ought to be a run on that book in one of the local, uh, a lot of the local bookstores. But the gist of the book, it was written by Cleon, C-L-E-O-N, Cleon Skewson, S-K-E-U-N. 
S-E-N. I think it is, or S-O-N. S-K-E-U-S-E-N or S-K-E-U-S-O-N. Cleon Skusen, the 5,000-year leap. The gist of the book is this. That culture, technology, everything kind of limped along at a snail's pace until America was birthed in 1776. Folks, have you ever thought about this? We went around on foot or in horse and buggy for literally thousands and thousands of years. But with America's birth in 1776, within the first 160 years, we went from horse and buggy to putting a man on the moon. Wow. And it happened because of America coming into existence. It's not because America is such a great country that we are a great country, but America is great because God is great. And the foundation of this book I'm going to preach from here in just a few minutes was the basis upon which this nation was founded. So Cleon Skusen said in 1981 when he wrote this book, America was that which changed the world. In fact, the subtitle of the book, The 5,000-Year Leap, is The Miracle That Changed the World. The 5,000-Year Leap, The Miracle That Changed the World by Cleon Skusen. And what he said is when America came into existence, we literally jumped forward in technology and in development and in every other way more than the world had leapt forward in the 5,000 years prior put together. So hence the title of the book, The 5,000-Year Leap. It is in that book that the phrase was coined, American Exceptionalism. American exceptionalism. Now listen, American exceptionalism is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It doesn't mean we're exceptional because of who we are. It means we're an exceptional nation because of who God is. Can I hear an amen? And God's imprint has been all over this country. And listen, folks, I'm tired of running from everything, aren't you? I'm tired of being afraid to just stand up and in love, but at least stand up and speak it. The truth, we've got to communicate the truth. And the fact of the matter is this, somebody's trying to take this nation away from us, and I I don't know about you. I don't want to be party to that. Can I hear an amen? You say, Brother Dave, you're just too patriotic. Can you be too patriotic? I don't think you can. I love my country. Well, you're a you're you're a, a nationalist. You're a you're you're. I'm not a white nationalist. That's something different. But I love I love my country. Nationalism in its pure form, if you define it, literally means this. In its pure form, it just means a lover of one's country to have a patriotic spirit. And what we've had today is a Sunday that has been laced with patriotism. And you say the two, religion and patriotism, God and country, they don't go together. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. Especially in this country. You ought to talk to people like I have. In fact, during one of our crusades in Washington, D.C., back around 2004 or 2000. Uh, seven, I don't remember which of those years. We did Crusades there, 2002, 2004, 2007. There was a French film crew that was starting, starting all the way out in California and worked their way all the way to the East Coast and had spent three months, preacher, traveling through America, all the hot spots, you know, where there are places, you know, where there's American monuments and patriotism. And they ended their three-month trek from California all the way to Washington, D.C., Get this, only God can do this. They were filming in D.C. while we were doing our crusade. They saw this big white and red tent down there with four big American flags on the top of the tent. They wandered under the tent for one of the afternoon services. They heard me speak. They heard all the patriotic music like we've heard here. And they said to one of the guys on our team, can we interview that guy right there talking about me? And so the guy came to me, our crusade coordinator, he said, would you be willing to do an interview with a French film crew? I said, man, point me to him. I'd love to do it. And the guy asked me a question. He said, why is it in America there is this intersection of faith and patriotism? Faith and patriotism. He said, in my country of France, he said, patriotism and faith never intersect. 
I said, listen, your French Revolution was vastly different in origin and in motivation from the American Revolution. It was done for different reasons. I said, you see that 555 foot tall monument right there called the Washington Monument? He said, I do. I said, do you know there's verses of scripture all the way up on the inside of that and on the very outside of that monument are two words in Latin put there when that building was completed in the 1880s and the two words are these, Laos Deo, which in English means praise be to God. Listen, there's a 103 places, I told this Jim, 103 places around this city of Washington, D.C. where there is either entire verses of scripture, the name of God, portions of verses of scripture. My brother said it well. You'd have to tear the buildings in D.C. down if you tried to really get rid of all the vestiges of God in our nation's capital. He's everywhere. By the time I got done, the guy said, I get it, I get it. Patriotism and faith intersect in the United States of America. He then asked, asked me this. I love this question, preacher, love it. He said, every day I've noticed, he said, we've been here a couple of days for your afternoon service. And he said, you, you have different music, but some songs you do again. And there was one song we did, I think, every service. It's called God Bless the USA. He said, I have never, we have traveled from California all the way to D.C. over the last three months. He said, I'm telling you, every time, and we've heard the song sung a number of times, every time that song is sung, the American people stand to their feet and they either put their hand over their heart or they start cheering. He said, why that response for the song God Bless the USA? And remember, this is on the heels of 9-11-01, post 9-11. Boy, that song took on new meaning after 9-11, didn't it? I said, I think the song summons up everything that's good. We're not a perfect country by any means because we are governed by imperfect people. But I said, I think that song just summons up what is the essence of American greatness. And so every time the song's, I feel the same way. I respond that way. I said, in fact, I think if we were choosing a national anthem again, I think we'd probably choose that song as our national anthem. It just kind of speaks to all that's great about the United States of America. Do you know they spent an hour with me? It's supposed to be a 30-minute 30, 30 interview. We actually went two 30-minute segments. And preacher, uh, I asked him, when you get this thing done, would you mind sending me a copy of it? He said, it'll be in French. I said, that's okay. I'll get somebody to translate it for me. But he sent me a copy of this thing called American Life, done by this French film crew. And at the very end of it, they put all the comments I had to make. They had video from our services there in Washington, D.C. And then we concluded as I was sitting around a park bench and I got to share the gospel and preacher, I had it translated. They put every bit of the gospel presentation on that video that went all over Europe. Can I hear an amen? I may not know until I get to heaven how many people have trusted Christ as a result of watching that which was shown on French television and all around Europe. What I'm trying to say to you folks is this. We live in a unique nation. I'm glad there's still a church in Union Grove, North Carolina that is not afraid or ashamed to display old glory. You say, are there churches saying it's inappropriate to fry the American flag? There are. They are. There are some. Now, I'm not in any of those. I'm just going to be honest with you because they wouldn't like me. I don't think a whole lot. But the fact of the matter is this. We ought to love our nation. You'll understand more if you get those two books. Again, that's not going to benefit me at all. I just, they changed my life. They'll change your life. Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. And then number two, The 5,000-Year Leap by Cleon Skewson. And uh, there's all kinds of books I could recommend, but those are two that are at the top of my list. One of them I read years ago, The 5,000-Year Leap. The other book just came out within the last probably uh, two years or so, a little less than two years actually, Letter to the American Church. I encourage you, I encourage you to get both of them and read them and uh, then apply them. Uh, folks, if we don't know the truth of our history and the truth of our founding, we're going to be doomed to repeat all the negative aspects 
of what's happened in this country. And we got our freedom at great cost. I hope you'll take time at some point to sit down and read the Declaration of Independence. Hope you'll take time at some point, sit down. You could read it in one sitting easily. 15, 18 minutes, you can read the entire United States Constitution. I hope you'll take time to do that. Those are our founding documents. They were intended, I believe, by the founders and the framers of the Constitution. They were intended uh, to be companion documents, kind of part A and part B. Part A would be the Declaration. Part B would be the Constitution. And when the framers of this country, the founders of this country, rather, when they pinned those words, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, Think of that statement. To be created equal, you've got to first be created. You know what they're doing? They're acknowledging a creator God. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Man, everybody knows this, that all men are created equal. Watch this, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these, not limited to these, but among these rights that God's given us are the right to life and liberty and initially it said property, but they changed it to the pursuit of happiness. Among these things are the right to pursue life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Are you listening to me? Deriving there, the government's just powers, just powers, not unjust, but deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. You do understand those people on Capitol Hill or over in Raleigh, they work for us. We don't work for them. Are you with me? They do what they do up there by our consent. I'm not consenting to a lot of stuff they're doing up there right now. Are you listening to me? They work for us. Preacher, what's gotten into you? You guys got it started with all that music, okay? I didn't intend to say any of this. But the point is, folks, we need to understand what's going on. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's where most people stop their quoting of the Declaration. But the Declaration goes on and says this. When any form of government becomes detrimental to those ends, what ends? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. It is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. What? That bad form of government and establish in its place a new government predicated upon those principles which shall be, they deem most likely to procure their safety and happiness. Can I hear an amen? There's a lot going. In other words, the founders understood if there ever comes a day when this, this, this pursuit, this experiment in freedom called the United States, if it ever goes bad, it is the right of the, in fact, it's the obligation of the people to do something about it. And folks, I want to say this. I'm doing everything in my power, not even my power, in the power I trust of the Holy Spirit of God to try to effect change on Capitol Hill. That's why it's not just me up there. It's not just our son Nathan, who's our director up there. It's not just his awesome wife, Amber, which, by the way, I believe they've come under direct assault because of what I'm going to show you here in just a couple of minutes. But the fact of the matter is this. We've added some additional staff on since the last time I was here. We're giving it everything we've got on Capitol Hill and literally around the world. Please be praying for Dave and Betsy. Pray pray for Nathan and Amber. Pray for the rest of our family. Pray for our entire Hope Ministries International slash Hope to the Hill team in Washington, D.C. Preacher, if God tarries, next October, uh, I'm going to be going to Africa. Are you ready for this? It it stunned me whenever I was told. They, They said, Preacher, we want you to come and speak at a conference for pastors on the African continent that will have two thousand African pastors at it. Two thousand African pastors. I am so pumped. I've done that before, not to that big of a group. Those guys shame us, their dedication to Jesus Christ. Their commitment to Christ is so stellar. I mean, I look like a wimp compared to them. And then the the conference with those pastors is to train them, equip them, help them 
and then to prepare them for what, Lord willing, they want to do over there in 2025, a year later, and that is do a crusade in the city of Nairobi, Kenya. And the men that are setting that up over there said, Brother Kistler, anticipate every night. Preacher, are you ready for this? Anticipate every night in that big massive arena preaching to no less than 50,000 people a night. 50,000 people a night. Do you understand why I'm so excited about what God's doing? Listen, we're living in phenomenal days. Amazing days to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Can we love God and country at the same time? Yes, we can. In fact, I believe we should. We should. Something wrong with you if you don't love the United States of America. Something wrong with you if you don't appreciate what God's given us here. Something wrong with you if your heart is not moved like my heart was moved. Your pastor's heart obviously moved. Many of you, your heart moved by the music today. Something wrong if that doesn't elicit that kind of response. Something wrong with you if you don't want to stand up and put your hand over your heart when the Pledge of Allegiance is said. Something wrong with you. You say, preacher, I don't like that. Folk, I love you. I don't care if you don't like me, but I will tell you this. If you don't like what I just said, if you'll come to me after the service and apologize, I'll forgive you for how you feel, okay? I, 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 you know I love you. The fact of the matter is this. We ought to love the United States of America. God's graced us with the privilege to live here. And with privilege comes responsibility. And I want to pass on to next generation, not just my knowledge of Jesus Christ, but I want to pass on to the next generation's my love of country and the liberty and freedom that God's so graciously given us here. And folk, I've traveled. I've traveled the globe. I've been all over the world preaching the gospel. And you know what? The rest of the world doesn't have what we have. All it takes is a casual trip outside the United States. Just a casual perusal of a few countries outside the United States and you'll understand they don't have what we have. We are uniquely blessed. And with the blessing comes tremendous Responsibility. I don't know about you folks. We're going to stand before the Lord probably sooner rather than later. And I want the Lord to look down and say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Part of hearing the well done is not just the preaching of the gospel and discipleship, though that is number one. I think we're stewards of the country God's given us as well. And I want to hear the Lord say, Dave, you did a good job. I know they were crazy up there on Capitol Hill, but Dave, you, you did a good job. You and your team trying to pull those people back to a reasoned view of things. And so to help you understand uh, what God has been doing, I want to show you a few pictures. I want to back up to November of last year, and uh, you can guys can bring it up on the screen. Now, we're going to get to the Word in just a second. But I am standing at a pastor's house uh, down in Port Charlotte, Florida. Some of you will remember that November of last year, a hurricane came ashore uh, around Port Charlotte, Florida, and it just wrecked havoc. It was called Hurricane Ian. How many of you remember Hurricane Ian? Well, uh, at that time, uh, there was uh, a desire on my part to go down and try to do something that could be helpful. And since 2005, when Hurricane Katrina came into the Gulf of the United States of America, I went down, Pastor hooked my truck to a big massive trailer. We took supplies down to two churches down in Gulfport, Mississippi and down around Baton Rouge, Louisiana and gave those supplies and Bibles and all kinds of things to people down in the Gulf and just tried to minister to them. And folk, it so moved me. It so moved me to go down there in 2005 and see all of that, participate in that, that the Lord planted in my heart a desire to do some kind of relief ministry, help ministry, when a natural disaster occurs in the United States. By the way, in 2005, when I was down there at Katrina, uh, I was taken along the Gulfport, Mississippi shore uh, by a gentleman who lived there. He said, technically, you're not supposed to be here, but he said, if you're with me, you'll be fine. And so we hung close to him, and they let us go down and look around. There are beautiful multi-million dollar homes that had been built along the shore in Gulfport, Mississippi. 
Do you know a storm, Hurricane Katrina came in to Gulfport, you're hearing me correctly, with a 45-foot storm surge, 45 feet in Gulfport. I saw trees, 40-foot trees that were totally submerged and turned completely brown because the salt water had killed them. Any of you guys see that? Anybody go down there and know what I'm talking about? It was absolutely stunning. I saw hanging from trees baby booties and baby clothes and I walked across ground that had pictures strewn everywhere. Preacher, I'm talking about people's lives, people that had invested in taking pictures and had little heirlooms of their life, all of it lying on the ground. It was an amazing thing. And then I was taken by houses that had orange spray paint on the outside of the houses and the tour guide said, please notice the numbering scheme. If it's a number at the very front, it means this. It means they've been through the home and they've extracted all the bodies. If it's this number, it means they've been in and ascertained that there are people in there but they haven't extracted the dead corpses yet. Preacher, that'll move your heart. It'll change your life. And I drove past one house. The house was gone. There was a big oak tree in the front yard that sustained the storm surge and somebody, I'm assuming the owner of that house, had taken a big piece of three-quarter inch plywood and nailed it to the tree and brother took a spray paint can and in black spray paint painted these words on that big massive piece of plywood, "'Twas grace that brought us safe thus far and grace will lead us home.'" Can I hear an amen? Wow. Lord, if you'll allow me, please, at some point, allow us to have some kind of input by helping rebuilding after a natural disaster, not until last November did the Lord allow that burden and that dream to come to fruition. When Ian came ashore in Port Charlotte, uh, I have a friend of mine over in Ripplemead, Virginia at uh, Riverview Baptist Church. His name is Rodney Mann. And uh, Rodney and I become real, real dear friends. Rodney is a multi-skilled individual. And uh, he had said, preacher, we've gone to, to, to foreign countries and taken you know, builders and contractors. And he said, I have a large network. And between the two of us, maybe we could put something together to help if there's ever a need. And so when Ian came ashore, I called Rodney. And I said, Rodney, uh, you think we could put together a team of 50 people and go down to Port Charlotte, Florida, and we could do some rebuilding? He said, I think we could get 50 people. And so he began working, I began working, and we took 48 people to Port Charlotte. Our tent, our gospel tent set up was set up in Port Charlotte for 15 weeks nonstop where a church that had lost their roof and could no longer meet in their building, they met under our tent. And so we went down there and for six days, we worked ourselves to death, preacher. I'm standing at the pastor's house and my fingers, my hand is pointing to the watermark for how high the water got at the pastor's house. Are you looking at that? Totally destroyed the pastor's home. Why don't you go to the next slide, if you would, please. We also worked... At the church there, that was one of the four structures we worked on. That is an educational wing at the church there. Uh, the 48 people that came, we had four skilled contractors that went with us, and they possessed tremendous, tremendous building skills. And uh, I worked with one of those contractors, and I, I told him this. I said, look, I have a very weak mind, but I have a strong back. Just tell me what you want me to do. And uh, I was his gopher for the entire six days that we were there. And other teams worked here uh, at the church. If you'll go to the next slide, part of what we did there at the church was serve the community uh, food. And all day long, we would work out on four job sites, rebuilding, and then we'd come back at night 
and we'd serve a meal to the community. And then under the tent, yours truly would preach the gospel. Can I hear an amen? It was absolutely amazing. When you marry up the gospel with serving people and meeting their needs. By the way, that's what Jesus did. He healed, he fed, he did things. But it was not just to end with that. There's a method behind that. And that is to get their heart open up so you can share with them the really important stuff, which there is a God in heaven. There is a heaven, there is a hell. Jesus loves you enough. He died on the cross to save you and to get the gospel to them. And so we did that for six days. And I don't mind telling you, yours truly was worn out at the end of six days, all right? I normally get worn out preaching, but I was working all day long, then going taking a shower, walking under the tent preaching. It was absolutely amazing. Go to the next slide, if you would, please. Part of what we did was put that roof right there on that church in Port Charlotte, Florida. There's a couple other slides, if you'll go to them, of the roof and what it all looks like. This is actually the pastor's house. And those barn doors that we're putting on there, um, one of the guys, Rodney, uh, the guy that's our, kind of our point man now for our new ministry, I'm going to tell you about that in just a second, uh, he convinced the pastor, you're in kind of a little bit of a low-lying area if there's ever another hurricane. Chances are if you rebuild in that house and put carpet and stuff like that in there, it's, it may happen again. So we turned this portion of his house actually into a garage, put those barn doors on it, go to the next one. That's the end result. That was all built by hand. That is the guy I worked for, skilled, skilled contractor, absolutely amazing. And God did some awesome things there ministering at that church. 48 people for six days and there is uh, the end result of what the church roof looks like. Uh, can I hear an amen right there? Amen. Absolutely phenomenal. And uh, let's go to the next slide, if you would, please. Hold that one right there. What we call our ministry of helps and relief work is called Hope Helping Hands. Hope Helping Hands. Our overall ministry is Hope Ministries International, D.C. component, Hope to the Hill. And now this, this component of helping after a disaster is called Hope Helping Hands. You say, preacher, why would you want to do that? There's people like Franklin Graham's organization, Samaritan's Person. There's a whole bunch of them that do work in relief ministry, and it's, you're right, they do. Right after the tragedy occurs, everybody in his neighbor rushes to the area to help. Six, eight months down the road, depending on how devastated the area was, there's a lot of people that go in and do the rebuilding aspect. But in the interim between the initial problem where there's a rush of people going in and six months down the road when they go in to actually start a lot of rebuilding, depending again on where it's at, the stuff in Florida got rebuilt a lot faster than most places. But in the interim between the initial response and the rebuilding later, there is a big gap. And what we're trying to do is fill that gap and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in that way. This thing in Florida went so well in November, I said to Rodney, I said, Rodney, I'd love for you to pray. I'd love for you to pray about coming on with our team, being our point man, and you just overseeing any projects like this that we do in the future. Would you pray about it for two weeks? I love people like this, Pastor. Rodney said on the phone, he said, Preacher, I don't have to pray. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. Just tell me what I need to do. And so he's now part of our team. Can I hear an amen? Praise the Lord for people like you, skilled people that have a talent and an ability that they want to invest in serving the King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. Then there's Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. You're looking at the part of the U.S. Capitol. It's called the Dome. It's the most well-known structure in all the world. Do you know people all over the world know what that sits atop of right there? They know what that is? That's the United States Capitol. Isn't that amazing? Most recognized piece of architecture in the known world. And underneath that dome is the rotunda of the Capitol. It's the circular room. And around that circular room, some of you have been in it, maybe many times you've been in it like me, there's eight paintings. Do you know five of the eight paintings in that circular room called the rotunda, five of the eight are overtly religious? 
And yet we're being told that God should have no place in government. There's people that serve in the United States House of Representatives and in the Senate that believe that. That is not the way this nation was founded. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, which is the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. The first 10 amendments called the Bill of Rights, of course. It didn't mean that we're, we're, we're trying to keep God out of government. The First Amendment is to keep government out of the affairs of the church. Man, during COVID, we, we kind of failed that test, didn't we? Now listen, COVID was real, but folks are coming around again. They're going to try to convince us again to just live in hysteria. Listen, folks, I'm not going to live in fear of anything. Are you listening? I'm just not going to do that. What I'm saying is this. We have the right to peaceably assemble. That's in the First Amendment. We have the right to free speech. We have the right to, to peaceably assemble. We have a right to freedom of the press. We have a right to petition our government against a redress of grievances. In other words, when the government's wrong about something and does something to us, we have the right to petition to make that right. Can I hear an amen? Never in the history of the United States has someone ever been tried or indicted for having an opinion. Even if their opinion's wrong, you can still have an opinion. And by the way, last time I checked with freedom of speech, you have the right to state your opinion. Can I hear an amen? You say, preacher, where'd that come from? A lot of stuff going on right now. Where if you have an opinion about how the elections turned out, they're gonna try to indict you for having an opinion. Listen, these things are freedom of speech issues. Is everybody listening to me? I don't care which side of the aisle it happens on. We have a right to have an opinion and we can state it. What I'm saying is there's a lot going on in that city right there that is very nefarious and very sinister. And folk, we cannot take a hands-off approach to this or we won't have a country left. We have to be involved. What we need to do is carry the light of the truth, the light of the gospel back into the dark places of government, not run and hide and then get up on our wall inside our, our castle and condemn the darkness that our country's becoming and that our government's becoming. No, condemning the darkness does nothing. We need to run into the darkness with the light and try to help primarily the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're engaged uh, the way we are on Capitol Hill. Go to the next picture if you would, please. Preacher, I never dreamed, never dreamed. This is not Capitol Hill. This is down in the state of Alabama. Uh, but anyway, uh, a number of years ago, I had an opportunity invited to come down and to speak to all the attorneys at the Alabama Supreme Court. Um, some of you may not know this, but before God called me to preach, I was, felt like I wanted to be an attorney and that's where I was headed and constitutional law was, was something I was very much interested in. And there's a gentleman down there by the name of Roy Moore. He was called the Ten Commandments Judge. How many of you remember him? Uh, Roy Moore and I got to be good friends. Some of his staff and I got to even be better friends. And so I was invited down to speak to them. I've gone back periodically every couple of years. And just uh, earlier this year, I was down there preaching in a church and uh, there was a Bible study held at the Alabama Judicial Building for all the attorneys that work in the Alabama Supreme Court. Can I hear an amen right there? And this was at the end of that Bible study. And uh, the man to my right is now the Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. He is a brilliant man. And uh, he wanted to meet with me. And it was my honor to meet with him. And uh, we had a picture made there in his study there at the Alabama Supreme Court. Listen, I want to tell you something. We need more men as justices on the court systems of our country like that gentleman right there. Is everybody with me? Yes. And we need more on the U.S. Supreme Court that understand the truth of the founding of this country. And so it's been an amazing, amazing thing. Go to the next picture, if you would, please. Back to Washington, D.C., one of the things we're doing, you'll see Nathan there in the foreground, the man holding up the camera, taking the selfie. 
is uh, Mark Walker, Congressman Mark Walker. He's a dear friend of ours. And uh, we're now taking, just so that we can help with this, taking large groups of teenagers to Washington, D.C. These two groups that are there, about uh, 70 of them all total, are from two schools, two Christian schools, one in Virginia, one in North Carolina. And we take them, we tell them the truth of the founding of our country, take them into the U.S. Capitol building. Congressman Walker, now retired, he's actually running for the governorship of this state. This is not a plug for him. Uh, that's just what he's doing now. But anyway, he got us onto the House floor, and all those young people sat in the seats in the House of Representatives. And uh, we, we had a prayer meeting on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. Can I hear an amen right there? After hours. But it was amazing. And those kids will never forget that. And we told them the truth of the founding of our country like we always do when we take groups up there. If you ever bring a group from, uh, from Calvary Baptist and would like us to be your tour guide, we would love nothing more to walk you around and show you the truth of the founding of our country. And you'll leave with a firm understanding that this is a nation established by Almighty God. It is. And that's what those young people are learning about. Let's go to the next slide if we can. That is the United States Capitol Rotunda. To my right is actor Jim Caviezel. How many of you remember Jim Caviezel, Passion of the Christ? To his right is a man by the name of Tim Ballard. Now, folks, look right at me for just a second. I want to, I want to just explain something. About a month and a half ago, we spent an entire day in Washington, D.C. with those two men and members of their respective entourages, so to speak. Why did you have those two guys in Washington, D.C.? Because a movie was getting ready to come out that has literally taken the United States and is now in the process of taking the world by storm. The movie is called Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. Uh, it's been in theaters for a while, and I understand most of what's in theaters isn't worth even sending your dog to watch. Everybody understand what I'm saying? But from time to time, there's some stuff that shows up that's not just good, it's outstandingly good. And Sound of Freedom is a true story, and it's outstandingly good. Has anybody seen it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I speaking truth? It's absolutely amazing. Do take a box of Kleenex with you when you go, because you will cry. There'll be times that you will laugh, but it is a true story of a brother and a sister who were kidnapped into what is now called child trafficking, more specifically, child sex trafficking. And this movie literally has been out and done for five years. Forgive me, I'm not just trying to, you know, you're trying to poison the well with respect to Disney, but Disney's got some issues, okay? I'm just gonna say they do. But Disney owned the rights to Sound of Freedom, but they would not release the movie. Did they do that because they didn't want the message out there? Uh, I cannot definitively say that's why they wouldn't release it. They had other movies that they owned that they wouldn't release as well. But finally, two brothers, two brothers that were potato farmers in Burley, Idaho, Jason um, and his brother, I'm trying to think of his brother's name. Uh, anyway, they, uh, they are the Harmons. Uh, Harmon Brothers, there's five of them total, but the two brothers uh, that are most involved decided they were going to try to buy the rights of Sound of Freedom, and they were able to do that from Disney, and then they begin making a game plan to show it all across the United States of America, Sound of Freedom. Did you know child sex trafficking is a $150 billion with a B, $150 billion a year industry? Tim Ballard is a former DHS employee 
who was going all over the world for the Department of Homeland Security, tracking down bad guys, Americans that would sell children into sex trafficking, purchase children, for the, forgive me, for the use of their bodies, and then flee and go somewhere else around the world. Tim Ballard was tracking those guys down, but about 13 years ago, he said to his wife, who's helping the victims? Who's trying to help the children? I'm talking about six, seven, eight, nine-year-old children. Who's helping the women that are sold into sex trafficking? Nobody. So he went to his higher-ups at Department of Homeland Security, said, I'd like to do some rescuing of these folks that are being sold into human trafficking, and DHS said that we're, we're not... We're not uh, organized to do that kind of thing. And so they pulled Tim Ballard home. They sent him after another bad guy. While he was there, Pastor, he saw more of it and told his wife, I got to do something about it. But if I, I keep pushing this, I'm going to lose my job at DHS. By the way, it is depicted in the movie, Sound of Freedom. It's not 100% accurate because his wife was a little more definitive and more direct in her comment than the way they portrayed in the movie. But his wife actually said this, I will not be married to a coward. I will not be married to a coward. Can I hear an amen? What's happened to American manhood? I am so sick and tired of the wussification of the American male. Just wah, 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 nonstop. Feel like we need to just call the ambulance because it's just wah, wah, wah all the time. Listen, guys, let's grow a backbone and stand up for something. Can I hear an amen? Tim Ballard's wife said, I will not be married to a coward. You do what you've got to do to save those children. So with six kids of his own, and now three more, a total of nine, they've adopted three. He left his job at DHS, and one man, one man, courageous patriot, funded his first rescue operation where he rescued hundreds of little children. By the way, that's what's depicted in Sound of Freedom. A brother and a sister, true story. And it ends awesome, doesn't it? It is amazing what happened. And Operation Underground Railroad was the result, Tim Ballard's organization. Jim Caviezel plays Tim Ballard in Sound of Freedom. Well, why were you in D.C. with those two guys? Let me tell you why. The game plan was to try to get the movie before it ever hit theaters, to get the movie in front of people who can do something about the child sex trafficking $150 billion a year industry and the people that can legislatively do something about it are the members of the House and Senate in Washington, D.C. Are you with me? Now, folk, I'm not being political, I'm not being, but you need to hear what I'm about to say. Tim Ballard, I walked around with that guy for an entire day. Jim, Jim Caviezel there as well. Tim Ballard told me this preacher. He said, Dave, the number one, the number one, hope you're hearing me, the number one entry point for child sex trafficking and illegal drug trafficking, the number one entry point in the world. It comes to this entry point and then goes around the globe from there. The number one entry point for child sex trafficking in America and drug trafficking is the southern border of the United States. He said, Dave, do you understand why some people don't want the southern border closed? He said, it's about this right here. $150 billion a year. Folks, please listen to me. Nobody's going to tell you this in the news, but you need to hear me. He said, Dave, when you take and purchase an illicit drug, you use it one time and the drug's over. And you, they have to make more. He said, do you know why the child sex trafficking is such an appealing, lucrative enterprise? Preacher, forgive me. This broke my heart. I wept. I wept and then I got angry. I mean, if you can't get righteously angry about this, something wrong with you. He said, do you know why drug trafficking 
has now been taken over by child sex trafficking as the number one international crime. You heard me correctly. It has eclipsed even illegal arms sales, illegal international arms sales. The number one international crime is child sex trafficking. He said, Dave, why? Why is it so lucrative? He said, you purchase an illicit drug, use it one time, they have to make more. He said, with a little six, seven, eight, nine-year-old child, forgive me, folks, I'm not trying to be gross. He said, those little kids can be sold to someone 10 times a day for 20 years. 10 times a day for 20 years. Now, the movie does not deal with either of the final two things I'm gonna mention to you, but Tim Ballard talked to me about them. I'd heard about them, but man, I got an education that day in D.C., He said, Dave, it's not just the child sex trafficking component. It's the organ harvesting component. He said, do you know kids are being stolen so their organs can be harvested? And then he said, there's a thing called adrenal chrome. Adrenal chrome. You need to look that up and do a little study. I'll say no more about it before it is out of the pit of hell. It is out of the pit of hell. Preacher, why are you involving yourself in this? I'll tell you why. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And I love the line from Sound of Freedom. All God's children are not for sale. And they're not. They're not. Here's my interest, and I'm just gonna be candid with you. Folks, I love you. I love you. Yes, I'm animated about this, but I love you. The reason I'm involved in this is there is a legislative component that can bring an end to this horrific practice that can be enacted by laws being passed, but there's a role for the church to play. What we're trying to figure is how do you bridge the chasm between the legislative side and the church response? Because you see these women and these children are coming back to America or they're going around the globe back to their homes from which they were kidnapped from. And they're gonna have all kinds of problems, preacher. Can you imagine what you have to deal with emotionally, mentally, much less spiritually. The church has the answer. And the answer is the liberty and freedom and forgiveness and the wiping of the slate to where it's clean and white again that Jesus Christ provides. Are you listening to me? We can give these people something that government cannot give them. We have something to offer to them that the government can never offer to them. And so what we've got to do is we've got to step up. Look, this is our moment. This is our moment. I love these two guys. I love these two guys. Jim Caviezel, bless his heart, you wouldn't even know who he was. He is so soft-spoken in a room. If you didn't know who he was, you wouldn't even know he was there. Tim Ballard, a little bit different dude. That guy has skills. I'm talking about survival skills. He's a man's man. He has made himself the target of human traffickers and, and pretended to be one somebody who sells them so that he can find out where the bad guys are and go get them. Can I hear an amen? Now, now he can no longer do that because he's very visible since the release of the film. But I'm here to tell you, we went into Speaker McCarthy's office and the game plan was somebody, somebody needs to bring up the possibility of screening Sound of Freedom for members of Congress. And the decision was made, preacher, it's kind of funny. The decision was made by our team. Jim Caviezel, you you need to ask the speaker because you've played Jesus and it's hard to say no to Jesus if he asks you to do something, okay? So we get into the room and we're about 10 minutes, uh, showed uh, Speaker McCarthy the trailer for Sound of Freedom. Man, he was absolutely enthralled by it. And then Jim, with his soft-spoken way, said, Uh, Mr. Speaker, what we'd love to do is is, is show this to members of Congress immediately. 
Kevin McCarthy turned to his assistant and said, let's get it on the calendar for July. Can I hear an amen? amen? So 29th of July, we screened Sound of Freedom for about 400 members of Congress and their staff. Would you go to the next picture? I want to show you a couple of people. Far left is Congressman Barry Loudermilk from Georgia, one of the finest members of Congress committed Christian. To his left, the little short guy with a beard, that's Matt Faraci. He is the marketing genius behind Sound of Freedom as well as this series on the life of Christ called The Chosen. To Faraci's left, uh, the real nice looking guy there in the dark suit, that is Eduardo Verostegui. And uh, Verostegui, rather, he is the executive producer of Sound of Freedom. He also just announced two days ago he's running for president of Mexico. Can I hear an amen? Need to pray for Eduardo. Eduardo is a kind of a rock star. I don't mean a literal rock star, but everybody knows him in Mexico. He's been an actor. He has a, a producing company in Los Angeles, California, but he has actually Mexican citizenship. Uh, awesome, awesome guy. To Eduardo's left is Speaker McCarthy. To Speaker McCarthy's left is Jim Ballard, or excuse me, uh, Jim Caviezel. To Jim, Tim, uh, Jim Caviezel's left, Tim Ballard. Uh, you see Nathan there in the light grace uh, sport coat. You see me there. You see the guy on the outside, which is the bodyguard for Jim Caviezel. And then you see two guys in the back who are two of the Harmon brothers. I want you to think about this because I know what you're thinking. What can I do? What can I do? I'm, nobody knows me. I just live in a remote section you know, of, uh, of uh, Union Grove, North Carolina. Do you know those two boys back there are two of five brothers who were potato farmers? Potato farmers in Burley, Idaho. But they wanted to do something that would help righteousness and decency, so they started an entity called VidAngel. Anybody ever heard of VidAngel? You could put it on your TV. It would eliminate all the inappropriate words and take out you know, inappropriate scenes. Folks, listen to me. I'm going to show you how God works. When VidAngel began to go nationwide and become popular, Disney sued Jason Harmon and his brother there in the picture. Jason is the taller. The other one, I cannot think of his name right now. But anyway, those two brothers were sued by Disney for $65 million. And the accusation by Disney was you're limiting our content or the opportunity for our content. Listen, I see this as a parental rights issue, don't you? We ought to have a right to decide what we watch ourselves and what our kids watch. So it was going to go to court and uh, 65 million. Uh, Jason and his brother would tell you this, the Harmon brothers, 60, if, man, if we had to pay 65 million, we're, we're out of business. I mean, who could pay that? Now I want to show you how God works. 23 years ago, there was a member of Congress, I'm not going to name his name right now, but he, he trusted Christ as Savior. Forgive me, but he's a Democrat. He is. Okay? When I met him the first time, Nathan had said, Dad, I want you to meet this congressman. I want him to meet you. I walked into his office. Opening statement as he walked across the room to shake my hand was not, Hi, Dave, good to meet you. Or your date, Nathan Kistler's date. No, none of that. He just said, I can't vote with my party anymore on abortion. That was his opening line. And I said, well, Congressman, that's awesome. I said, do you mind me asking how you came to that conclusion? He turned to his desk and there was an open Bible there and a book, a book there that dealt with interpreting Scripture literally. He said, the more I'm studying the Bible, the more I'm realizing that the Bible and abortion are totally incompatible. Can I hear an amen there? That's amazing. I said, Congressman, that's awesome. I reached in my pocket. I'd put two of these in my pocket before I left my study in North Carolina. Pulled out a rock 
one of two that I brought with me. Had five of them on my desk there from the Valley of Elah where David fought Goliath. And I brought one of those rocks out. It's like the Holy Spirit nudged me and said, give the rock to him, but tell him why you're giving it to him. I said, Congressman, I want to give you something. This rock came from the Valley of Elah. I didn't know why I was supposed to bring it, but now I know. I said, if you stand by what you just told me and you don't vote with your party anymore on abortion, I said, you're going to face giants the likes of which you've never faced before from your own friends. But the God that gave David victory over insurmountable odds, a 10-foot tall giant named Goliath, the same God can give you victory over insurmountable odds too. Just stand strong for the Lord. He took that thing out of my hand, grabbed my other hand, said, can we pray? And Nathan joined the circle. We had a revival prayer meeting in a Democrat congressman's office. Can I hear an amen? It was awesome. Do you know he stood by that until the day he retired? Now stay with me. 23 years ago, that man got saved. Seven years ago, when the Harmon brothers are in D.C. telling that we've been sued by Disney for $65 million, our son Nathan happened to be sitting at the table when they made that statement. They said, we're trying to get a bill passed through Congress that will be a parental rights bill where parents can decide the content their children see. And VidAngel could be just one of many ways to protect the eyes and the ears and ultimately the hearts of our children. Is everybody with me? He said, we've got a number of Republicans that have been willing to sign on and endorse the bill, but we need at least one Democrat. My son Nathan said, I I might be able to help you with that. So he made a phone call to the congressman I just told you about and said to him, Bobby, do you have 15 minutes I can bring a couple of guys over and let you meet them? They're wanting to get a piece of legislation sponsored that would protect parental rights. This gentleman now, understanding what the word of God has to say, said, can you get him over here real quickly? And Nathan said, I can. So they go over and the two Harmon brothers you see there explained to this Democrat congressman what they wanted to do. He said, I'll sign on to that. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Do you know when Disney found out that that guy signed on, a Democrat who had a background in the 60s with the Black Panther movement, but now he's a Christian. Everybody with me? When Disney found out this guy signed on to the legislation, they settled out of court for $2 million. So one phone call by our son saved the Harmon brothers $63 million. They've been our friends ever since. You understand what I'm saying? Now, none of that money came our way. I'm just telling you, none of it did. But they've been our friends. So when they purchased the rights to Sound of Freedom and want to show it to members of Congress, first people they call is Nathan Kistler. And say, could you facilitate? Could you help us get the film in front of Congress? And Nathan said, I think we can do that. And that began a lot of prayer, a lot of strategic strategy, like George Bush said. Anyway, that began a lot of strategic planning that resulted in about two months ago meeting with Speaker McCarthy, him giving the green light. And uh, July 29th, we showed Sound of Freedom to members of Congress. Would you go on and show you something about the night we showed that film? Let's go to the next slide. Uh, the other direction. Let's go to the one after the big group. Anybody notice who's in the picture there on the far left? Newt Gingrich and his wife Callista. They found out that Sound of Freedom was going to be shown to members of Congress. He's no longer in Congress, but they called and said, can we come? We said, we'd love to have you come. So they came. And what they're doing is they're signing a big placard that we had put there where everybody that attended could put their name on it. And then at the end of the evening, we presented that placard to Speaker McCarthy's office as a memento of that evening. Anybody recognize the gentleman on the right shaking hands with Tim Ballard? His name is Enos 
freedom. He used to go by Enos Cantor. He ended his NBA career with the Boston Celtics, and he basically lost his NBA career, was willing to sacrifice it because he said, I'm going to speak the truth with respect to what's happening in this world, and you're not going to silence me. Can I hear an amen? Talk about a joyful guy. Absolutely amazing, amazing person. Let's go to the next picture, if you would, please. That's the room. Jam-packed with people getting ready to take a seat and watch Sound of Freedom. By the way, both sides of the, the wall, you can see one of the walls, almost all of it over there. Uh, it was standing room only that night. Can I hear an amen? amen. Folks, I want to say this. You don't do things like this without the devil fighting you. We screened the movie. It started at 6.30. That picture was taken about 6.35 in the evening. At 5.30, one hour, 5.32 to be exact, one hour before we started the screening, a picture popped up on my phone, and I forgot. Let's go to the next picture. I don't think I put it in here. But a picture, hold that one right there. A picture popped up on my phone. It wasn't that one. But it was taken by AccuWeather over the United States Capitol. Do you know there was a tornado that appeared over the U.S. Capitol? One hour before we screen the film. Now you say, why is one hour before? Why 5.32? Why is that so important? I mean, had the timestamp sent to me as a warning, you know, there's a, there's a tornado in your area. At that very moment, underneath the dome of the Capitol that I showed you earlier, right where the tornado appeared, thank God it never touched down, but it's a perfectly formed funnel cloud over the Capitol. Right at that moment, our son Nathan, his wife Amber, Speaker McCarthy, Tim Ballard, Jim Caviezel were meeting on the speaker's balcony right at the bottom of the dome of the Capitol for a picture when that tornado appeared. I don't mind telling you, all day long that day, we fought hell by the acre. The devil did not want that film shown to members of Congress. It could have gone south, folk. It could have gone south quickly. We had a door open into the speaker's office to exert influence there that you could drive a cement mixer through. If it had gone south, you couldn't have driven a matchbox car through the size of the door. But right now, because God took over, can I hear an amen? God took over. And now you can drive the Queen Mary through the open door we have into the speaker. It's amazing. Do we serve an awesome God or what? Absolutely amazing. This last picture I want to point out to you. The gentleman taking the selfie is Eduardo Verostegui. He's the gentleman who's the executive producer of Sound of Freedom. He's fallen in love with our family, uh, especially with our son Nathan. Uh, you see my bride and I there. You see Nathan, and behind him is sweet bride Amber. And the other two people are George and Linda Roller. Uh, they are part of our D.C. team. George is an attorney for 16 years. He headed up Dr. D. James Kennedy's ministry in Washington, D.C. Seven years ago, he came over to work with us. It's been a marriage made in heaven, and God has been doing some awesome things. Can I hear an amen? amen. One final thing before I just talk to you from my heart, from the word for just a second. Please don't take this the way it may be tempted to sound because it's not a commercial. But I've had on my wrist tonight one of these right here. The folks at Sound of Freedom were so appreciative for what we have done to try to help them get that movie in front of members of Congress and try to facilitate it elsewhere. By the way, again, I'm not trying to be political. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just telling you what happened. Uh, former President Trump wanted to see Sound of Freedom. So it was able to be worked out for Jim Caviezel, Tim Ballard, um, to go to Trump's West Bedminster, New Jersey golf club. He invited about 150 people. I could not go. 
Uh, I told Nathan, I said, Nathan, my firm belief is this. You need to be there. You need to do whatever you've got to do to be there. You've been at the tip of the spear on all of this. You need to be there. And so he was able to clear his schedule and go and set seven seats down from former president of the United States. I asked him at uh, at the end of the screening, I said, Nate, do you have any kind of feel for how uh, President Trump responded to the movie? And Nathan said, yes, I do. He said, the two words I would use are these, deeply moved. Deeply moved. The movie didn't end till 11 p.m. at night. So deeply moved was he that he spent an hour on a podcast with Tim Ballard talking about the movie. Two days later, and some of you may have seen this, it was posted on his Truth Social site. It made its way all over social media. He said, if I get reelected president, and this is not a commercial for him, I'm just telling you what happened. If I get reelected president, I will push immediately for Congress to enact legislation that will make it the death penalty for anyone involved in human trafficking. Can I hear it? I'd say deeply moved pretty much describes it. Deeply moved. Deeply moved. I could tell you more about why he did that. When he believes something, he believes it and he goes after it. Well, he's doing it for political purposes. No, he's not. There is no political upside to this. There's no political upside to going after child trafficking. None. It'll cost you something. But he believes it's wrong and I do too. All God's children are not for sale. So all the folks there at Sound of Freedom said, you guys have helped us so much at Hope Ministries and Hope to the Hill. And they gave us a bunch of these little bracelets right here. They said, what we would like you to do, and I'm doing it because they asked us to do it this way, uh, you make them available to anybody out there for a very minimal amount, and whatever they give for one of those bracelets, you use it to help your ministry do more things like you've done for us on Capitol Hill. And I don't mind telling you this. um, God's opened a wonderful door. Uh, Speaker McCarthy said this, and I agree with him. He said, there was a time on Capitol Hill when both sides of the aisle We'd have our political differences, but we'd sit down and we'd eat meals together and we'd get to know each other on a personal basis. He said, none of that takes place anymore. So he has started once a month a movie night. Sound of Freedom was shown on a movie night on Capitol Hill. They serve popcorn and peanuts and candy. I mean, it's it's awesome. And they can all come and sit and watch a movie. And in January, we get the privilege of uh, facilitating the showing of a wonderful film called Reagan. It's on the 40th president of the United States. The room will be packed and overflowing for that movie. And the man who plays Reagan in the movie is an actor named Dennis Quaid. How many of you know who Dennis Quaid? How many of you knew four years ago Dennis Quaid came to faith in Jesus Christ? Anybody know that? By the way, he's been traveling and singing some with our daughter-in-law's family. It's amazing. Now, he doesn't have a, a great voice, but he, has a, he's like a, he doesn't have a heart. He is a big heart walking around, just wanting to tell everybody what Jesus has done for him. Can I hear an amen? So that's what he's doing. And Dennis is going to come to D.C., and he's going to meet members of Congress, and he's going to talk about the movie Reagan. And Reagan's was a born-again man, going to talk about his faith. But on top of that, he's going to talk about what Jesus has done for him. Amen. And we're going to be able to get the gospel Uh, very clearly again in front of the members of Congress. You say, preacher, this is amazing. And I hadn't seen any of this on CNN. No, you haven't. Not even on Fox News or any of the others. But the fact of the matter is, God's alive and well on planet Earth. And he's alive and well in Washington, D.C. Back to this little bracelet. Then I want to just say a couple things and I'm done. This little bracelet right here, if you're interested in one, you let me know. We have no budget in our ministry for screening films for members of Congress. Uh, we, we don't have a budget for that. Never have, probably never will. 
So we have to raise the money for that. So if you would like to help with just that, uh, then you can get one of these little bracelets. They're, 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 they're reversible. The red side says, uh, silence the darkness. Talking about silencing the darkness of, of human trafficking, specifically child trafficking. The other side says this, fight for the light. Fight for the light. What I'm doing tonight is lifting the cover off of a practice so that you can understand there is darkness there. How do you get rid of darkness? You expose it to the light. Are you with me? And so we've got to talk about this. The church has a role to play. And if you'd like to just play a small role in it, you could get one of these bracelets and uh, wear it. And when people ask you about it, tell them. Tell them what it's about. And when you get an opportunity, whether it's going and seeing it, I don't know if it's in, in theaters right now. It was a long run in theaters. But when it comes out on DVD, please watch it and spread the truth of it around to other people. It's amazing. Uh, the church has got to address this. This is our moment to do so and help these precious little children, these women that are being horrifically treated. With this, I'm going to be done tonight. I know this is a little different, but this is what the Lord laid on my heart uh, to share. Tomorrow, Pastor alluded to it. We watched a wonderful video. Tomorrow is 9-11-01. 22nd anniversary, actually, of 9-11-01. I remember where I was too. I was on the west coast of the United States. Things began happening over here about 8.58 Eastern time. Three hours earlier out there. That morning I'd driven a man who had spoken at one of our men's conferences out there. I'd driven him to the Portland airport, got his luggage out of the vehicle, up through curbside check-in, jumped back in my truck, was speeding back out 20 miles to where our trailer was parked, Punched the radio dial and across the radio came these words from the lips of George W. Bush. And the words were these, this was a deliberate terrorist act. In those days, like I do today, I follow the president's schedule so I can know how to pray most intelligently for the president. And I knew that day he was scheduled to be early in the morning in a, in a classroom, an elementary school classroom in Florida, reading to some elementary school students. So when I heard his lips say, this was a deliberate terrorist act. My assumption was this is something happening outside the United States, not in the United States. But the longer I listened, the more painfully aware I became. This is something that's not only happening inside the United States, it's still going on. It's not over. Yeah. Ultimately, both North and South Tower were hit. Both of them collapsed. A plane crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. By the way, four weeks after 9-11, I drove to that site in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. They had put up a fence to keep you from getting down to where the plane went into the ground. I don't mind telling you folks, I'm not trying to be gross nor graphic, there was no debris field. But you could see where the wings of the plane had gone into the ground. It literally, brother, nosedived into the ground at about 400 miles an hour. Is everybody listening to me? Yeah. And those people on that plane were heroes. Heroes. I can promise you this. None of those people on that plane or any of the other planes knew they were going to die that day when they got up. Right. See, James 4 verse 14 asks a very important question. What is your life? It answers the question. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. In other words, life is quickly over and done. Are you listening to me? I don't know what's going to happen on the drive home tonight. I don't know. I'm assuming I'm going to get home and embrace my bride, but I don't know that I'm going to do that. You assume you're going to drive home and maybe sit down and have a wonderful meal, but you don't really know you're going to do that. Stranger things have happened. And those people on those planes did not know they were going to die. But they did. They did. I've seen a lot of stuff from friends who were there at Ground Zero. I've seen pictures of jumpers taken by one of my best friends 
who was an FBI agent, jumping from the 104th floor, 86th floor, falling by the time they hit the ground at about 150 miles an hour. And my friend said, Dave, have you ever wondered what that sounded like? I said, to be honest with you, I have. He said, yeah, I did too. He said, I thought it sounded like a watermelon hitting the ground and rupturing open. He said, trust me, it sounds nothing like that. He said, when those bodies hitting the ground were just falling from everywhere, people jumping to their death. He said, it sounds like little mini explosions. And then he asked the really important question, have you ever thought about why they were willing to die by falling? He said, because when those planes went into the building carrying a diesel derivative fuel, as I've been told, JP1, I think is what it's, and it literally ruptured and the, literally the plane sent, sent all that fuel running down elevator shafts and soaking into carpet and then igniting. And he said, that stuff will burn. It'll burn at over 2,000 degrees of temperature. And then preacher, he showed me a picture, I have never forgotten this, of a corner of one of the towers before it collapsed. It looks like the corner is glowing and something is running down the outside. I made a comment. It looks like something's running down the outside and it's white hot. He said something is running down the outside. Now, folks, please listen to me. It's very important. North and South Tower were built in 1973, completed in 1973. Big discussion in the United States, big discussion on that building project, the North and South Tower. Do we use a flame retardant on the steel of the structure called asbestos? And they decided against it. I understand asbestos can be dangerous. I get all of that. But it's a significant flame retardant. They didn't put anything on the steel. My friend said, Dave, FBI did tests. We know this. Tensile strength of steel begins to break down at 2,000 degrees. He said, what you're looking at in that picture is exposed steel with nothing to stop the burning. And it's actually over 2,000 degrees because the steel is melting and running down the outside. He said, imagine what the heat was like inside. That's why people were breaking the windows as you'll see tomorrow when they replay all of this. That's why they were breaking windows and trying to get out and crawl up or crawl down a 104-story building. And people were falling or jumping to their death because of 2,000 plus degrees. Now, folks, listen to me. What is your life? It's a vapor, a mist that appears for a little time, an infinitely small speck. For something to be considered infinitely small, it has to have something to compare it to. Compared to eternity, life down here, I don't care if you live to be 150, that's an infinitely small speck compared to forever. Is everybody with me? And when we leave this life, based on a decision we've made on the life side of the doorway called death, we're gonna go one of two places, heaven or hell. Is everybody with me? I don't want anybody going to hell. I don't want anybody in this room going, you don't have to go. You can come to Jesus. So tonight I want to appeal to you, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, don't you take a chance on your eternal destiny. I don't know what the rest of the night's going to hold, neither do you. If you do know Jesus, folk, I'm here to tell you, this is our moment. This is it. Preacher, I believe I was born in 1959 and born again as a young man for this very moment. Man, the last, last 40 years of my life have been amazing, but nothing compared to what the opportunity right now is. I was born for this moment and born again for this moment. This is it. This is it. Retire? Are you kidding me? Retire? No way. There's too much to do for the Savior. So if you're not saved, you need to get saved tonight. If you are saved, folk, we need to get at it like we never have before. 
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I pray you'd speak to us tonight. Lord, today's been a banner day. It's been awesome. I pray, Lord, if there's somebody in this room, man, woman, young person, who does not yet know for sure they're going to heaven, Father, I pray rather than taking a chance on their eternal future, Father, may they get it settled tonight. Tonight. Lord, help them to understand you love them. You sent the only son, Father, you had to down an old rugged cross for them. You love them so much. May they not push away your love, but may they come to you and before it's eternally too late, get their eternal future nailed down, settled, and know they're going to heaven. And then, Lord, for the rest of us that do know you, Father, forgive us for being so lackadaisical, so cavalier. Forgive us for not realizing we're not just here to take up space and occupy time and inhale and exhale a wonderful gift from God called oxygen. We're not just here to take up 1,440 minutes every 24 hours and just live life and enjoy it. Lord, we can enjoy it. You give us richly all things to enjoy, the scripture says, but we're actually here on a mission. We have a mission to fulfill. So Father, I pray that we who know you as Savior would get at the mission you've left us here to, to accomplish. And may we do it not just in our strength, but may we do it in the energy and power of your precious Holy Spirit. And Father, we'll thank you for what you do. Now friends, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder if there's anyone in the room tonight. Man, the thought of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit and being caught in that, preacher, that scares me. Yeah, me too. I'd almost rather experience anything over being burned. I've been burned before. It's one of the most painful injuries you can ever sustain. Imagine being in the flames of an eternal hell and it never coming to an end forever and ever and ever. Preacher, that's not popular. I don't hear too many people talking about that anymore. I know. We got a world living like hell because hell's never preached on. Yeah. That's what's happening. There is a literal hell. There is a heaven. There is a God. There is a devil. There is an eternal life after this life. And we'll spend it somewhere. And the two options are only these. Heaven or hell. And which direction we go is determined by one choice we make. On the earth side. The life. Physical life side the earth side of the doorway called death. Man, once you step through that and enter into the realm of eternity, your doom is sealed. If you don't know Christ, the blessings of heaven are sealed if you do know him. So a choice made to accept Jesus is critically important. And it's one that's gotta be made now. Now. Never does the Bible say, Wait till later when it comes to that choice. No, the Bible says the exact opposite. Now, today is the day. Now is the time. What I'm wondering is this. Is there anyone in the room? Dave, I don't know. I'm not 100% certain. I don't know that I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Not 100% sure. No shame not to know. The shame would be not to know and then not to do something about it. Is there anyone in the room that would say, Preacher, you're talking to me. I'm not, not sure I'm going to heaven, but God's been speaking to me tonight. And I'd like you to pray for me. Friend, I'd love to pray for you. 
that before it's too late, you'll come to Jesus. Is there anyone in the room not sure you're going to heaven, but you'd let me pray for you? If that's you, I wonder if you'd lift your hand right now long enough for me to see it. Dave, I'm not sure I'm saved. But I'd like you to pray for me. Anyone at all. If you're watching online tonight, not sure of your eternal destiny, there's a number there on the screen. Please take advantage of that and call right now. There are people waiting right by the phone to answer and to tell you how you can know Jesus and your sin can be forgiven. Please take advantage of that opportunity. Christian friends want to ask us one thing and we're done. What are you really doing? What are you really doing about engaging? Engaging a lost world with the gospel and then with the truth of God's word. We're here. We're here to have an impact. We talked this morning about being kingdom men, kingdom women, kingdom young people. We can desire to be that, but we got to map out a, a game plan. Got to have a strategy. I don't know about you. I found what I'm going to commit the last years of my life too. It's the gospel and my country. The gospel and my country. These little children that are being trafficked, they need Jesus. These women that are being sold into sexual slavery, they need Jesus and they need somebody to love on them when they're rescued from it. Church has a mission to fulfill on a lot of levels right now in the year 2023. What are we going to do about it? We can't live out here in the country and hide our head in the sand with respect to what's happening in our world. we got to be engaged and do something about it. Now I wonder tonight, as I invite you to stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder if tonight God's speaking to you. And you'd be willing to say, Lord, today I volunteered to be a kingdom man, a kingdom woman, a kingdom young person. But Lord, tonight, I need you to show me. I need you to show me what you want me to do specifically. Yes, folks, generally, generally, we're all to be involved in giving out the gospel. But God may have something specific for you to do. In fact, he does have something. I wonder how many of you tonight would be willing to say, Lord, I want you to show me how you want me to be engaged and give the rest of my years till you come back to take me home or until I die. Show me what you want me to be specifically involved in as far as ministry and reaching a lost world, trying to help out some of these trafficked children or some other thing. Lord, show me. Show me what you want me to do. And if you show me, I'll do it. If you want to know what God wants you to do, He'll show you, trust me. And He'll give you the strength to do it. So what I'm asking is this. If you'd be willing to say, Lord, show me. Show me how you specifically want me to invest my life till you come back to take me home or until I die. And Lord, if you show me, I'll do it. I'm just telling you tonight, Lord, I'll do it. Show me, please. And when you show me, I'm telling you, I'll do it. If that's you, some are already coming. I wonder if you'd be willing to step out and come down around this altar and tell God that. Lord, show me what you want me to do with my life. And if you show me, I'll do it. I'll do it. By the way, it could be different than what you're doing right now. It could be a lot different. It could just be a little different. But Lord, show me what you want me to invest my life in. 
specifically. And when you show me, Lord, I'm telling you tonight, God bless you, ladies and gentlemen, young people. When you show me tonight, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Show me, Lord. Friends, gone are the days. Gone are the days in the United States of America where we can have a pie in the sky avoid the evil around us attitude can't do that never should have done it but we really can't do that now no this is man up time it's time to straighten our spine pray the Holy Spirit's armor on us pray for the anointing of God's Holy Spirit and power and then launch out into the deep to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. It's time the church be the church is what I'm saying. Anybody else want to join us tonight? Lord, show me. Show me specifically what you want me to invest my life in. And Lord, when you show me, I'm telling you tonight, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Gospel is number one, of course. But there are a myriad of ways to reach people with the gospel. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. Lord, I pray with everything that's in me, we'll never forget September 10, 2023. May this be a banner day in each of our lives where you changed us, refocused us, equipped us, challenged us, sent us, yea, even propelled us into what we're going to do aggressively, faithfully, energetically in the power of your spirit for the rest of our life. Father, use us. Use us, oh God. And Father, may the end result be many, many coming into the kingdom. And Lord, I specifically pray for these trafficked individuals Lord, the way these folks have been treated defies description. And yet, Lord, we have the answer. Lord, as we're meeting and trying to figure out an appropriate game plan beyond just the legislative component that declares it illegal and with a significant penalty for being involved in it, Lord, give us wisdom to know how the church can help with the rescue of these children and the giving of the gospel and ministering to and loving on them. Father, give us wisdom, I pray. Thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for what you'll do this week on Capitol Hill. Help Tim as he testifies before two congressional committees. Father, help those three pieces of legislation that are in committee right now. May they come out of committee strong and may they pass the house, which I'm convinced they will. A little unconcerned about the Senate. Father, I pray they'd pass in the Senate. And I pray this would cease being a partisan issue and become a humanity and more important, a life issue. And Father, something is done, significant, stellar for the rescue of those that are being so abused by the wicked one. Help us as the church to step up. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I do pray. And all God's people said. Well, I don't know about y'all. I'm thankful that I get to go to a church where I'm challenged to do more. Amen? I want to do more. Been at this thing for a little while now, but I want to do more. 
I want to accomplish more for the cause of Christ. And I believe you do as well. And I appreciate your response to the invitation tonight. It was great, preacher. Thank you so much.